Does your dog talk to you? Do you know what he or she is saying? Welcome to My Doggy Says. Here now to help you understand and build a closer relationship with your dog, the host of My Doggy Says, Fred Haney. Hi, this is Fred Haney, host of the My Doggy Says show, where you learn about dog training, dog bonding, and how to build a stronger relationship with your pet. You'll hear interviews here with experts from all corners of the dog world. And the whole idea is to help you improve your dog communication and dog training skills and help you build more nurturing relationships with your pets in order to be dog's best friend. And as usual, I'm here with one of my best friends, Callie Golden Retriever. Callie's a five-year-old Golden Retriever. And usually she invites me to play soccer every day, and I have a little report on our daily soccer game. But uh, the last couple of days we've been at uh, Lake Arrowhead in the Southern California mountains. Uh, so instead of playing soccer, Callie's been uh, playing in a little bit of snow. Uh, we had a little snowball fight the other day. Callie loves to have snow in her face. Uh, and uh, she also got to swim in the lake. Her favorite thing is to jump off the boat dock and swim out and retrieve her frisbee and uh, swim back to shore and do the whole cycle all over again. Water temperature is about 44 degrees, so it's cold, but she's fine. We make sure and get her uh, dried off and warmed up real quick uh, as soon as we're done. Uh, Our guest today uh, is Dr. Deva Kalsa. We're going to learn a lot about holistic medicine for dogs. Dr. Kalsa is the author of Dr. Kalsa's Natural Dog a holistic guide for healthier dogs. Uh, As usual, we invite you to participate with us in other ways during the week. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter. We're at MyDoggySays. But also check in on the website, MyDoggySays.com, and on our blog, uh, MyDoggySays.com slash blog. Uh, See what's going on there. We try and post a couple times every week, and a lot of fun Uh, video, photographs, and uh, these podcasts. So tonight we're going to learn a lot about holistic medicine for dogs. Uh, Our guest is Dr. Deva Kalsa. Her book is Dr. Kalsa's Natural Dog, A Holistic Guide for Healthier Dogs. Uh, And uh, I'll I'll give you a little bit of Dr. Kalsa's background. She has a VMD degree from the University of Pennsylvania, I learned that a VMD degree from the University of Pennsylvania is Latin for a DVM degree, which is what you get anyplace else. Uh, And uh, that's one of the top five veterinary schools in the nation. Uh, She studied homeopathy with some very famous people, including Julian Winston, uh, who is the director emeritus of the National Center of Homeopathy. Uh, During this training, Dr. Kalsa saw how well, the natural homeopathic treatments worked on humans when administered correctly. Uh, during and after graduation, Dr. Kalsa began traveling, studying, and learning constantly about homeopathy in England, Brazil, India, and the U.S. During these travels, she found that everyone liked the idea of homeopathy and had an interest in how it worked. She lectured at Oxford in England and at the first International Veterinary Symposium. She's a professor and fellow of the British Institute of Homeopathy. 
So I could read on here a little bit, but uh, let's get Dr. Kalsa on the show uh, and uh, begin to hear some of this from her mouth. Uh, Dr. Deva, welcome to the My Doggy Says Show. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Fun to have you. I think it's going to be a very uh, interesting subject. Um, let's do a, a little background. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, your very early interest in uh, animals. Uh, what got you thinking about animals in the first place? I was always interested in animals. As a little girl, my mother tells me that at my first birthday, I picked up all the ants before the party so that she would not kill them. I'm impressed if I was, I was one year old. Maybe it's my second birthday party, but I was pretty young. I began to take home any injured animal that I found as soon as I could walk, and I think as, 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 as long as I can remember, I wanted to be a veterinarian. Now, in those days, not many women were veterinarians, and by the time I entered veterinary school, the percentage of women that were being admitted and becoming veterinarians had gone up you know, quite a bit. By then, there was 50% women in the, in the veterinary class. And I had gotten into medical school, but I had turned them down to reapply to veterinary school because it was the hardest professional school to get into. And so that year, I began to study homeopathy and holistic modalities just for fun. In case I had to be a medical doctor, I wanted to <clears throat> have a holistic vent, a bent, pardon me, toward people. And so <clears throat> I uh, then got into veterinary school and uh, studied very, you know, you know, uh, hard for four years. But then when I came out, I began to try lots of the things that I had learned that one year when I studied people, but I applied it to animals, and the success was astounding, and I was hooked. I, I have a seven-year-old granddaughter who uh, claims that she wants to be a vet. Uh, so well, I'm believe gonna... her, because we mean <laughs> it when we say it. We're a strange group of people. We... <laughs> You know, really, we're, we're the brightest. It's the hardest professional school to get into. We could be anything. We could be doctors, dentists, lawyers, you know, economists, whatever. And we, just, we choose to be a veterinarian. And so we're an unusual group of people. And it's just, I think we're pretty special, especially the holistic vets, because they go to veterinary school and they could come out and practice. But instead, they spend their time and money taking all kinds of holistic courses, learning various and sundry holistic modalities, because they want to help their patients. Well, I, I I do believe her, and uh, it's kind of fun because I think she's been inspired a lot by uh, Callie Golden Retriever, uh, my Golden Retriever, uh, and the special relationship that I, I have with Callie. So uh, I'm honored that she would give it some thought. You know, whether that will hold up for 10 years or not, we'll find out. Uh, but uh, it, it's very cute, and she's uh, held on to that for about, I don't know, a year or two at least. And you should nurture it because it is a wonderful way to make a living. Oh, absolutely. Uh, do nurture it, and I'd, I'd be glad to have her uh, uh, do that. Um, you talk at the beginning of your book. I want to set the stage a little bit before we jump into some of your uh, holistic medicine ideas. Uh, but you talk at the beginning about the special connection that exists between people and dogs. Uh, share your thoughts about that a little bit because that's, that's certainly one of my favorite topics. Well, especially nowadays, every decade, it, 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 I think it becomes more intense that our pets remind us of a bygone time um, that we tend to forget with cell phones, televisions, beepers, faxes, Internet. Um, we become obsessed with all of these gadgets, and we lose the ability to view the incredible nature that this planet has provided us, the aesthetic beauty 
that's always there, whether it's a flower blooming or a cloud moving or a blade of grass rustling uh, or a reflection in a pond or hearing birds sing, we tend to ignore that nowadays and get busy with our business. And, you know, children in, a, in, in that way are similar to dogs because you suddenly go out with a child and you see the world through his eyes. Uh, you see the wonderment that that child has in all of these simple things. And you again remember the wonderment that exists in life. So I believe our pets are here to help us celebrate life, to help us know life and living. Because you take your dog, a lot of dogs go for the exact same walk every day, and they're totally delighted on that walk. They discover new things, their tails wag, they stop, they jump, they look, and they're just so in the moment and enjoying it. And it reminds us once again to be in the moment and enjoy it. Because the hectic pace of today's life makes it so easy to forget that. One of my uh, favorite uh, stories here on the show in uh, one of our interviews was with Dean Koontz, the well-known author. And he talked about a time in his life when uh, the ideas weren't coming. He was kind of down and depressed, and uh, yet he continued to take uh, his golden retriever, Trixie, on a daily walk. And one day he decided to really tune in to Trixie and pay attention to her sniffing and let her sniff where she wanted to sniff and look where she wanted to look. Uh, and over a period of time, sort of doing that and sort of seeing the world through Trixie's nose and Trixie's eyes, uh, it opened his eyes in a, a, a way that uh, they hadn't been opened before. It was really a lovely story, especially coming from somebody as creative as him. Mm -hmm. They transform us. I mean, they transform us every day when we come home and we're preoccupied or we're worried about something and they sit next to us and snuggle in, and suddenly we're in the moment with them. Uh, this is the My Doggy Says show, and tonight we're visiting with Dr. David Kalsa. Uh, Dr. Kalsa is the author of Dr. Kalsa's Natural Dog, A Holistic Guide for Healthier Dogs. Uh, Dr. David, tell our listeners how they can find your book and how they can learn more about what you do. Well, my book is in a lot of bookstores, and also it's on Amazon.com, and it's an e-book, too, because it's a bestseller, so you can also get it on Kindle and all those other e-books. And, you know, Amazon.com, you can pop it on and get it, or you can get it again as an e-book. Or if you look online, it's in lots of different places. Um, uh, there's a company called www.deservingpets.com, and that's a company that sells a great vitamin called Vital Vites that is amazing for your pet. It also sells my book, too. And a lot of other online stores sell my book. And do you have your own website that you'd like to refer people to? My own website is www.drdeva.com. Doctor is spelled out, D-O-C-T-O-R. And my first name, which is spelled D-E-V-A. So it's drdeva.com. There are lots of interactive things on the site. You can sign up to a free newsletter. You can take a quiz on your dog's nutrition. You can read lots of different articles. I have, I should, I, I write for six magazines, and I have so many magazine articles I've written that I have to get onto my website, and it's one of those chores that's at the end of your list. But there's lots of articles there that are helpful, um, mm -hmm. and there's some videos that I, I do on different problems. And uh, so you, you can really learn a lot from that site if you click around. If you click under Holistic, there's a whole d bunch of different categories you can read about. So it's a, I think it's a nice site. It's interactive. It's, it's pleasant. I'm sure our listeners will want to do that. Uh, so uh, don't go away. We'll be back uh, right after the break with Dr. David Kalsa, uh, author of Dr. Kalsa's Natural Dog, A Holistic Guide for Healthier Dogs. 
Body language, facial expressions, they're not just for humans anymore. Author Fred Haney says his dog Jamie talks to him. And now to continue the canine conversation, author of My Doggy Says, Fred Haney. Welcome back to the My Doggy Says show, where you get better at dog training. You improve your dog talk and dog bonding skills, and you learn how to build more nurturing relationships with your pets in order to become dog's best friend. And you're doing it on the Doggy Appreciation Network. Uh, tonight we're learning a lot about holistic medicine for dogs from our guest, Dr. David Kalsa, who's the author of Dr. Kalsa's Natural Dog, A Holistic Guide for Healthier Dogs. Uh, as usual, we invite you to participate with us during the week. The uh, best way to do that is to check out our website, mydoggysays.com. We rebuilt the website uh, about a year ago so that you could get add a whole lot of content with just a couple mouse clicks. So there are uh, blogs in half a dozen different categories. There's a podcast. Uh, there's a lot of fun video, a lot of fun photographs, some articles, uh, and, of course, our blog, mydoggysays.com slash blog. So be sure and check that out uh, during the week when you're not listening to these podcasts. Uh, we'll continue our interview with, Dr. David Kalsa, who is the author of Dr. Kalsa's Natural Dog, A Holistic Guide for Healthier Dogs. Uh, so, Dr. David, one of the, uh, we talked a little about this special connection, the relationship that exists between uh, man and dogs. Uh, another uh, important part of that for people to understand, I think, is uh, how that relationship has in, evolved. Uh, and uh, we've had guests on the show who have had different ideas about how that's happened. Uh, I, I thought in your book you had some really interesting thoughts about that, including a little story from uh, the Native Americans about um, maybe how that happened. Uh, w what's your thinking about that, and how is that important in the context of, of these holistic medicine ideas? Well, I think that dogs as our companions are energetically um, attached to us in many, many ways. And I think they sense our emotions much more acutely than we sense theirs. Um, and many times in my practice, I have seen um, incidences where the person's illness and the animal's illness mirrored each other or um, were similar or paralleled each other. And I think they take on a lot of our stuff. Um, you know, dogs are totally dedicated and devoted to us, and they've made that decision that that's how their lives are going to be, that their joy is our joy, and they just are totally dedicated. They love us, and I don't think it's just pack behavior. I think um, it's a choice that, that was made somewhere in evolution. Um, I can't explain it. I don't understand it. I, I do say that many people intuitively know that, which is why their animals are so important. You know, in my practice, People would drive from five states, and some people would drive to Pennsylvania from Florida or from North or South Carolina or Georgia, and commonly they would drive from five states, New York. I mean, hours, two hours to see me each way, right? They wouldn't do that for their kids. I'll tell you that right now. They would not have done that for their kids, their parents, or themselves, but they would do it for their dog, and many of them didn't even believe in holistic health, but they knew that I got, let's say, Teddy, their neighbor's dog, better, Right. So they were going to give me a try to get their dog better and cross that yellow line from conventional to holistic health, and they wouldn't have done that for themselves or their parents or their kids. And once they did it for their dogs, they began to do it for themselves. So their dogs actually took them on a journey of learning and knowledge 
And it's this connection that is so special and that makes us intuitively realize how valuable they are as beings to us. You know, I'm sure you feel the same way about your dog. Well, absolutely. And one of my themes is that uh, I think uh, we put so much focus on in dog training on commanding obedience uh, that uh, I'm not sure people pay enough attention to building a relationship and having a warm, interactive re- relationship with their pet just based on trust and uh, nice interactions. To me, that's the richness of, uh, of having a dog, not just, gee, my dog sits when I tell it to sit. I agree. And did you ever read the book Raining Dogs, uh, Raining if Bones Would Rain from the Sky by Suzanne Clothier, I think that's oh, it. Oh, she's been a guest on the show, yes. Oh, isn't she wonderful? Yeah, she's, she's lovely, and uh, yeah, I, that was a fun interview. Yeah, she's very interesting, and she gives people a different perspective, because my, 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 my pet parents would always say to me, my clients, you know, I read these training books, you know, and I'm not going to give the names, but we know them all, and they're so dry, Okay. And they're so boring and they're so painful, you know, that how can you make training fun? You know, and some people have um, made training fun. I think clicker training is a, is a fun way to train a dog. Um, there's a book called How to Teach Your Dog to Read. Did you ever see that book? I have not seen that. Oh, that's fantastic. This, this is a book that you should get and look at. There's a woman who was training dogs, you know, for therapy dogs, you know, to get bottles and, you know, push yep. wheelchairs or whatever. Anyway, uh, she, she taught these dogs to read. And not only that, she decided, to use, um, she decided to use cards that had stick figures doing something with the dog, really ske- uh, sketchy diagrams, you know, to show the dog. And then that, that stick figure would be a movement or something the dog would do. And uh, her husband was walking by, and so she held up the card but then lost track. And the dog looked at it without being told what to do, interpreted the picture, and jumped and twisted. But they'll go and they'll pick up the sign or sit in front of the sign that says walk, sit. You know, I mean, walk or, or snack. You know, they, they, they can read about 30 words. Yep, yep. Fascinating. Well, I think they're pretty amazing. And I think you and I would probably agree that we think uh, dogs are more intelligent than most scientists give them credit for. Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, most animals are more intelligent than they're given credit for. Just because they can't work a Rubik's Cube doesn't mean they're not smart. <laughs> exactly. Well, uh, great background. I mean, that's a fun conversation. We could go on all day about that, but I want to make sure we talk about some of your ideas about uh, holistic uh, food and uh, creating healthier dogs. Uh, Talk a little about the problem dog owners face here. I mean, why do we have to worry about uh, what we feed our dogs? uh, Well, we have an internal problem and we have an external problem. It's that simple. And the internal problem is that, and it started started when a man named Spratt, as you would read in my book, noticed that the sailors were throwing moldy tack and biscuits on the piers and the dogs were eating them. And uh, then from that, they decided they could take what, would they, what they would have thrown away for people and grind it up and make it into dog food and advertise it as the only nutritional thing to feed your dog. This was happening at the same time as the Industrial Revolution. People were moving off of farms. They were moving into cities. They didn't have time, and they didn't have the extra stuff that you have in a farm to feed the dog. And additionally, they were working. They didn't have time to cook for their dogs. There weren't that many leftovers. So advertising also started at the same time. So it was advertised that the only thing to feed your dog was this processed, dry kibble stuff. And that has been going on for many, many years. 
you know, since the 19th century, since the 1800s, it's been going on. And people have believed that they can only feed their dog this kibbled stuff in a bag. And veterinarians tell them this, and commercials tell them this, and they fully believe it. But this kibbled stuff in a bag has, depending on the company, depending on the brand, depending on, there are lots of better kibbled dried foods out there now. But in the old days, kibbled dried foods contained, and some still do, under protein digest, dead dogs and cats that are rendered from the pound. They contain horses. They contain thing, you know, digest. Whenever you call it digest, protein digest, they've simply digested protein. The flea collars are on these dogs' necks. You know, whatever they were injected with to kill them is in their veins. And that's all put in the mix. Um, there's a book called the, the, the Foods Pets Die For, okay? And so it's, it's documented. But even if you didn't have that in it, okay, and this is it's shocking to hear, even if you didn't have that in it, you have the rant. When, we, when we're in veterinary school, we have to take meat processing. It's a required course. And what's passed for humans is enough to turn your stomach, but what's put into the dog food is the, the livers that are just filled with cancer. I mean, they're more cancer than liver. You know, all that garbage is what's put in and cooked into dog food. And then it's heated at very high temperatures, and it's put under high pressure, so it's made into kibble. And a lot of companies, this is not a joke, pick up rancid fat from, you know, places like McDonald's, you know, quick service things. Spray it like potato chips so dogs like it better. Um, the states are required to monitor the food, and it doesn't matter if the protein is digestible. In other words, hide hair and sinew can go in uh, for, for protein, and that doesn't matter. You, you can cook your shoe in a... In a in a, in a soup pot, and you can get a certain percentage of protein, but it doesn't mean it's digestible, and that goes to the dog. Now, there's better foods now that go, go to the dogs. They're still compressed. They're still, they're still highly compressed and highly heated, and what that does is it destroys all of the minerals and the vitamins. And what happens is our house has two-by-fours, and it has cinder blocks that builds it, and that's the protein, and that's the fat, and that's the carbohydrates. That's what we always look at. But to repair our bodies, what we need are, or repair our, let's say, our houses, you need spackle, you need paint, you need window cleaner, mops, vacuums, brooms, whatever. And those are the vitamins and minerals. Vitamins and minerals keep the body clean, keep the cells clean. They repair the cells. They patch the windows. They fix the walls. They fix the leaking roof. And what happens is that compressed kibble dog food doesn't give you that nutrition. You follow that? I'm yep. giving you such a long answer. I'm sorry. No, it's, right? a good, uh, it's a good answer, and it's important. Okay, good. And, and another, another thing that vitamins and minerals do, um, and superfoods, superfoods like vegetables, like kale and broccoli and blueberries, you know, and pumpkin and tomatoes and, and uh, you know, things like that. What they do is they dump and clean dirt and toxins out of the cells, and they clean the cells, and they, and they get crap out. And what happens is, this is the internal, external. Internal, dogs are not getting the food that they need. They're not getting the tools that they need, the vitamins, the minerals, and the superfoods, to give the, tool, the cells everything they need, the tools they need to repair themselves. The Maytag man comes to fix your washer. He can't fix it if he doesn't have the tools. Your cells can't fix themselves without the tools. And then at, externally, our dogs are exposed to top spot flea products, which are so toxic. The EPA is investigating them. Roundup spray outside, all kinds of herbicides and insecticides that we spray on our lawns and that the parks spray. Um, 
they're exposed to all of this, and they don't have the tools to dump them fast enough from their body. And so we're seeing too many diseases and too many problems in our dogs. End of a really the ten dollar answer to a ten cent question. I'm sorry it was so long. <laughs> well, it was a good uh, good answer to a, a complicated question. Uh, Dr. David, we need to take a break in a second, but uh, remind our listeners how they can find your book and how they can find uh, your website, which has a lot of additional information, including a lot of your writing. My website is www.drdeva.com. That's doctor spelled out, D-O-C-T-O-R, and the first name is D-E-V-A. My book can be gotten from Amazon.com or from a company called WWW Deserving Pets, which sells Vital Vites, which is a very good vitamin for your dog. Body language, facial expressions, they're not just for humans anymore. Author Fred Haney says his dog Jamie talks to him. And now to continue the canine conversation, author of My Doggy Says, Fred Haney. Welcome back to the My Doggy Says show, where you learn what makes dogs tick, how to improve your dog training and dog bonding skills, and how to be dog's best friend. And you're doing it on the Doggy Appreciation Network. Uh, tonight, we're learning a lot about holistic medicine for dogs. We're visiting with Dr. Deva Kalsa, who is the author of Dr. Kalsa's Natural Dog, A Holistic Guide for Healthier Dogs. Uh, and uh, we invite you to participate with us during the week. best way to do that is to check out uh, www.mydoggysays.com. Uh, send us an email. Tell us what's going on. You can also uh, see us on Twitter, at MyDoggySays, uh, and on Facebook. Facebook, uh, and uh, we do have the uh, My Doggy Says Show page on Facebook. Uh, we're just beginning to build that up, but that's uh, that's that's a lot of fun. Uh, so, Dr. Deva, one of the serious problems we have with dogs is a lot of them get cancer, and and uh, as you've just indicated, some of that's coming from the food that they eat. Uh, so, talk to us a little about uh, prevention and treatment of cancer for dogs. Well, Hippocrates said, let food be thy medicine. And really, food is the most important thing to help stop cancer. When we see articles when we're waiting online in the supermarket that say eating highly colored fruits and vegetables decrease cancer risk by 30%, it's really true. Uh, John Hopkins discovered the first uh, superfood in kale in 1991, and uh, it was sulfuramines and sulfuramines. This is what the compounds were called. But they dumped carcinogens out of cells about 10 times faster. Now, if you can eat foods that will make your cells dump a carcinogen out 10 times faster, the risk of cancer almost goes down, ten, ten, I would think, a tenth, because it's dumping it before it can change the DNA, before it can make a carcinogenic change in your cell. So giving things to your pet that actually creates health and helps, helps them be healthier is wonderful. Like most dogs love broccoli stems. Um, and they're a second to kale in preventing cancer. And you just, you're not going to eat them. You cut them off, you slice them into quarters, you let them chew them. They like carrots, although it's good to steam them. And kale, you can, my, my, books, my, my book has all kinds of recipes that dogs love. And, you know, the one thing that you should know is if you have to feed your pet kibbled food or food that is um, highly compressed and, and uh, heated, you don't have to do it every day. You know, you're not signing some contract with the dog food company. You can cook for a few days a week. You can make little snacks that I have in my book, which are very healthy, that add lots of healthy vegetables. I have an omelet that you chop up all kinds of vegetables in for them, and then they eat it, and they're getting their veggies. Um, 
You can do all kinds of things. There's a vitamin called Vital Vites by Deserving Pets that has all the superfoods in it and all the vitamins and minerals, and they're, they're coated with nanotechnology so your dog doesn't even know it. He thinks he's getting a treat. It's like stuffing your kid's Twinkies with healthy fruits and vegetables and vitamins and minerals. So there's all kinds of things that you can do. You know, dogs make their own vitamin C, so people think they don't need vitamin C. But in today's toxic world, I believe that dogs need a little extra vitamin C. So upping the nutritional content of their food is one thing. And there are a few foods that are, that are actually very interesting. Um, there's one called um, mulligan stew, and it doesn't compress and heat it, and it has cabbage and horseradish in it. There's another called canine caviar, which the guy is working, has actually created a diet with a lot of lentils and things that alkalize the body and help prevent cancer. There's one called um, uh, Horizon that's a brand-new food from Canada that's also using a lot of lentils and peas in it to help change the pH of it. Um, there are companies that actually cook and send you healthy food frozen for a very reasonable price, like Lucky Dog Cuisine. So there are companies out there that are good if you're too busy to cook for your dog. So that's the nutrition part. Then the question that you're going to ask me, I'm sure, is what happens when they get cancer, right? I was just going to comment. Uh, we, we have had uh, Kevin Meehan on the show. He was the uh, inventor of that mulligan stew pet food. Yeah, I'm impressed with it. I mean, I you know I I saw it at a trade show and I was very impressed because I'm so, I'm so tired of the uh, com- highly compressed uh, kibble and they have patented the recipe, I believe, haven't they? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So sorry, I changed subjects on you there. But... Oh no, no problem. You know, and you know, to be honest, I see I saw so many cases of cancer. Um, when I was a veterinarian, and a lot of people came to me when their dog had cancer. You know. Uh, they arrived because their dog had cancer. It's such a heartbreaker, and many of them had spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars at universities before they came to see me. It's so worth it to just change your your habits a little bit and start feeding your dog healthier food. Now, I was very fortunate as a veterinarian in that lots of people would ask me to work with them. Um, I, I worked with lots of various holistically oriented uh, companies on the cancer products or products that would work against cancer and I would do studies out of my practice for them so I've I, and they came to me so it was like this lovely um, relationship and I was very fortunate um, and years ago I became uh, acquainted with a, a gentleman named David Gann and he had been working at Caltech a very prestigious um, uh, institute and they've been working with fusion and something happened when they were doing that and they said what happened and, you know, as David said, um, a lot of times the greatest inventions that occur are not because someone planned them. It's like something happened when you were working in a lab and you said, what the hell is that, right? And, and, and then, then you, somebody figured out, what can I do with it? Yeah. So what happened was um, something had happened to the water. And a famous mathematician said, well, here's what happened to the water. It has to have these particles that are this big in it. That's what happened to it. So they went and got an atomic force microscope to make a long story short, and they saw those particles. They said, what is this? And then UCLA tested it on lots of people and found that it boosted their immune system like nobody's business, right? So, they had, so all this research went into what is this stuff, right? So this is fascinating because we think of water in terms of ice. You put an ice cube in a glass of water, liquid, the water that's in the glass, and steam or vapor, clouds, right? Okay, steam coming off a boiling pot. This is a fourth phase of water. It is a dry solid. It's a whitish powder at room temperature. And it stays that way, even if it's freezing or boiling, it doesn't change. You can put it on your kitchen table, it'll sit there indefinitely as a dry powder. 
Yet this dry powder can be sent to any laboratory on the planet, and it's even been tested at NASA, and it tests as pure H2O water and nothing but H2O. Wow. Now, is this amazing? Now, everyone talks about special water, you know, clustered water, penta water, willard water, Q water, right? This isn't a water. This isn't a liquid water that's been changed. It's another phase of water. It's a powder. But when the powder is, the powdered water is in the liquid water. Like if you put, let's say, I don't know, chalk or something in your water and it stays chalky. But remember, it's just water and water. It's not chalk. It's water. It's just a dry form of water. And when the, when the molecules sit there, they actually form a double helix in the water itself. Well, anyway, you know, I, I said to David, you know, can I, can I test this out with animals? Can I check it out? And he said, yeah. So, you know, the first case I used it on was a little Yorkie named Buddy who had cancer on his leg that kept returning, and it had metastasized, and he had four nickel size metastasis in his chest, which is pretty big for a little Yorkie. So I put him on the water, and um, it was sort of one of my clients wrote a very funny story uh, under the testimonial part of making it. I do consults all over the world for lots of people, and so there's a part of my website that says consulting with Dr. Kalsa, and then you go down, and it's like it was about her cat. Like this, it was this woman she worked with, and the woman came in and said, oh, I talked to this great vet, and she gave Buddy this water, and, uh, oh, it's, he's going to handle his cancer. And all the people at work thought, you know, lady, you know, your dog has a big C, you know. There's hope and there's hope, right? And they all just, you know, took it with a grain of salt. And a month later she went for a chest X-ray and it was completely gone. Wow. Not only that, this is three years later and Buddy is as healthy as can be. And he was like 11 or 14, I forget, something in between there, when I first treated him. He wasn't a young dog. So... I sent some of this water to a friend of mine, another veterinarian named Scott in Maryland, and I said, Scott, you've got to try this. Here's some of this. Do it on a bad case, right? A dog came in with a big tumor in his mouth, and part of it had eaten away his jaw, like about the size of a golf ball. Part of it was sticking out. It was called a malignant melanoma. And the dog hadn't been eaten for a while. It was like a 12-year-old Labrador retriever. He did a biopsy, put the animal under anesthesia, sent him home, sent the biopsy to the lab and said, here, try this water. You know, he didn't say I gave it to him. He just said, try this water. So... And he goes home, and the person starts giving the water. And a week later, the biopsy comes back from the lab, and he calls, and he says, um, he says, uh, the biopsy is a malignant melanoma. It has eaten away quite a significant amount of your dog's jaw and back, and there's really not much we're going to be able to do. I'm very sorry. Your dog is, you know, 12 or 14 or whatever, and, you know, he's had a long life. And the people said, ah, but he's doing much better. Uh-huh. So he said, really? He said, well, why don't we make an appointment next week? He saw the dog two weeks after he started it. The tumor was completely gone. Now, if you're a veterinarian, you know what a malignant melanoma is and how vicious it is as a cancer. So this was pretty significant, and I treated dogs with autoimmune disease. Now, I'll be honest, with all these dogs that I treated for cancer, I gave them two things. I gave them the double helix water, which energetically changes cancer, energetically. It's, just, it's, an, it's like I, we've, we've, we're trying to we, – well, you all talk about how does it work, and we think that because it forms a double helix structure that somehow it's – must be correcting the DNA because it's just so amazing how rapidly it works and completely it works. And, of course, with cancer, there's always a DNA change. So that's the energetic. And I always also have given these cases the deserving pets vital vitis because the vital vitis are the physical tools. You know, there's the chemistry and there's the physics. The, the, the double helix water is physics. The vital vitis are human form incredibly uh, created vitamins that give the cells all the tools they need to regenerate. 
So energetically, the double helix water, you know, starts to handle it. And then the tools come in and give the cells all the equipment they need to do it. Um, I'm, sh- I'm sure there are other people who, you know, people have taken double helix water and it has handled lots of physical problems that they have. In fact, I drink this stuff twice a day. Don't have anything wrong with me because I figure, why not, you know? Catch it, uh, catch it in the bud. Uh, Dr. David, we're coming up on a break. Um, let's take a minute uh, and uh, tell our listeners how they can find your book, uh, Dr. David's Natural Dog, a Holistic Guide for Healthier Dogs, and also how they can find your website and what they might expect to see there. My book is on Amazon.com, very easy, in lots of different bookstores and sold on web places. My website is Dr. Deva, www.dr spelled out, D-O-C-T-O-R-D-E-V-A.com. And Double Helix Water, you can find just by Googling it on the web, or you can go to my site, www.drdeva.com, click on shopping links, and on the very bottom, a little tiny print, there's Double Helix Water, and that will take you directly to their site. That's a fascinating story. We'll talk about it a little more in the next segment. But uh, doke. Don't go away. Be sure and join us. The My Doggy Says Show. We'll be back with Dr. David Kalsa after the break. Body language, facial expressions, they're not just for humans anymore. Author Fred Haney says his dog Jamie talks to him. And now to continue the canine conversation, author of My Doggy Says, Fred Haney. Welcome back to the My Doggy Says show. I'm Fred Haney, your host and author of the four-time award-winning book, My Doggy Says, Messages from Jamie. How a dog named Jamie talks to her people. Uh, we're learning a lot tonight about holistic medicine for dogs. We're visiting with Dr. David Kalsa, who is the author of Dr. Kalsa's Natural Dog, a Holistic Guide for Healthier Dogs. Uh, we invite you to participate with us during the week. best way to do that is to check out our website, uh, MyDoggySays.com. You can also follow the uh, My Doggy Says show uh, page on Facebook, and you can follow us on Twitter, at my doggy says. So we'll continue our conversation with Dr. David Kalsa, author of Dr. Kalsa's Natural Dog, a holistic guide for healthier dogs. Uh, Dr. David, the story about uh, the double helix water is uh, fascinating. I mean, I, I uh, uh, spend part of my time life in the w- world of science, and I'm uh, really fascinated by things like that. Uh, I guess the question I have for you is, uh, do the uh, uh, Caltech uh, scientists, uh, the geniuses over there, do, do they understand how it works? Do they, they know what the mechanism is uh, by, by which this seems to uh, help uh, a dog's body dump cancer cells? Well, I think it was sort of found by accident at Caltech, and then it was researched at UCLA, and then it was researched at NASA, and I think people are looking for the answer. Um, I don't know if there is an answer to that. I'd have to check back if anyone has found it yet, but it certainly is proven. Um, the thing is that lots of different modalities that work energetically or work in the realm of physics, shall we say, instead of in the realm of biochemistry, um, are yet unexplained. You know, uh, Homeopathy is something that is, can be so curative and so definitively helpful, um, but it basically is um, poo-pooed. Um, and dismissed by conventional uh, journals um, and conventional publications because, quite honestly, it interferes with the um, pharmaceutical 
um, uh, you know, a complex. It's a huge industry. And homeopathic remedies are not expensive, and you can get them at health food stores. You can get them online. They're easy to use. Once you start to learn them and you get the, the way about them and how to use them, they become just a pleasure, and it becomes a fun hobby. Um, acupuncture is another thing that unfortunately they are, uh, fortunately, sorry, the, the, the pharmaceutical medical complex can't poo-poo because it's been around for 6,000 years, you know. Uh, and that, again, is an energetic medicine. So there are lots of things that are coming out. Now, I do something called Nambudrapod's Allergy Elimination Technique or Allergy Elimination. Again, it's energetic. It's vials, and I take an allergic dog and make it into a non-allergic dog. And so many of our dog's problems are due to allergies. I mean, irritable bowel disease, which is very common, is due to allergies. Um, Sometimes a lot of digestive problems are due to allergies. And also, of course, the itching and scratching that we see uh, that dogs have are due to allergies. And so, you know, you can turn it around. I mean, it's it's so rewarding. I remember when I first started doing this, um, I had taken uh, a course in the allergy elimination technique, and a bulldog named Maddie came in. And I love bulldogs. I love bulldogs. I've never had one, but I just love them to bits. And she was looked like an Auschwitz victim. And she had big, gaping holes in her muscles, because her owners were giving her calcium shots, IM, to help build up her calcium. She was on a special IV all day at home called Hedda Starch, which built up her blood because of her irritable bowel disease. She'd been losing protein in her, in her intestines so much that her protein was so low, her blood was so dilute. The owners had spent $14,000 in the University of Pennsylvania School of Veterinary Medicine when I went to school, and they said it was the worst case of IBD they'd ever seen. And... Uh, they sent her home to die. And the owners wouldn't, wouldn't do it. So they had her on the at-home IV to keep her alive, and they were giving her the calcium injections. She was skinny as a rail, absolutely weak, looked terrible. And so I started uh, doing the uh, allergy elimination treatments on her, and uh, she was allergic to certain very specific foods and compounds and amino acids. And, I, you know, I, I changed that because you make her non-allergic. And she improved, oh, probably... 70, 80%. And I was taking a seminar on another kind of allergy elimination technique called JMT, which worked with bugs. Like you can have bugs in your intestine that you don't recognize. And there's one specific one for Crohn's disease in people. So I came back from that seminar all excited, and I treated Maddie for the Crohn's disease bug and the allergy elimination technique. And um, she recovered 100% to a totally healthy dog, she lived years and years more. Um, I think she lived six or seven years, maybe even more. She died of old age, really. And she was totally healthy after that. And this was an incurable case. Holistic medicine is so effective and so powerful if you know it and you know how to use it. And I, as a veterinarian, I did all kinds of modalities. You know, I did prolotherapy, which is injecting the ligaments so they grow back stronger, acupuncture, chiropractic, Chinese herbs, homeopathy, allergy elimination technique, and you pick the one that works with the patient or the combination that works with the patient, and your chances are exponential that you can make them better. What a great story. I, I, I love it. That's fabulous. Um, Dr. David, let's switch gears here and uh, talk a little about thyroid kinds of issues. I have a little experience here, uh, kind of an interesting uh, story. Uh, Callie Golden Retriever, a couple years ago, had a couple uh, minor seizure kind of problems. Um, She wasn't thrashing around the room, but 
you, you, I could tell that uh, everything was just kind of frozen up. She couldn't stand up. She couldn't walk. Uh, and uh, both times we got her to uh, vet just as soon as we possibly could. Uh, one vet uh, diagnosed it as, uh, uh, I forget the technical term, but, uh, you know, a fairly minor seizure, nothing to do about it. Uh, but then Callie's regular vet said, let's modify her thyroid a little bit. Uh, that may be causing a problem. And that was probably a year and a half or two years ago, and she hasn't had a problem since. Uh, do you see a connection there? And uh, Always. Uh, but was she, was she on thyroid replacement already? I No, I don't think so. Did they take a blood test to discover she was hypothyroid? Probably. Okay, yeah. Um, well, okay, so let's go through this. Um, certain breeds are more predisposed to become hypothyroid than others. The Golden Retriever is one. Labrador Retriever is another. And there's a whole host of other breeds. Um, what happens is the thyroid doesn't work as well as it should when a dog gets hypothyroid. And the thyroid is the master gland. It runs everything that's going on in the body. It's the corporate exec. If, if the thyroid's hormone, working. Hormone headquarters. You got it. It's hormone headquarters, but it, it runs the metabolism. It runs everything. So if the thyroid's working, the gears are polished, they're turning, everybody's working like they want to raise from the boss next week, right? If the thyroid's not working, the body parts work like bums and drug addicts, you know? They don't do their job. They don't turn. They don't twist. The gears get rusty. The gears don't turn, and all kinds of diseases can happen. In fact, some medical doctors say that being hypothyroid opens the door to cancer, and I believe that. Because I did so many, um, you know, uh, I worked with so many different people who had cancer treatments, and I would do all these blood tests beforehand, and dogs with cancer, 90% of them are hypothyroid. Um, so what happens is if the thyroid is not working, the body's not working. And what, the problem that we have today is that we're using all these spot-on products with fipronil and imidacloprimide, which is like Advantage and Frontline and under a gazillion other names, Okay. Um, and the synthetic pyrethroids and pyrethrins, thinking that we're going natural, all of these things are toxic to the thyroid. They destroy the thyroid gland. And so we're spotting on all these spot-ons to keep the fleas off and keep the ticks off. And, of course, with some of them, the fleas and ticks are getting resistant. They could care less, and they still jump on. But it's, it's doing a lot more than being toxic to the thyroid. It's causing, some of them are cause lung cancer. Some of them cause liver cancer in laboratory tests. I could go on and on. It's too long for the show. But as far as the thyroid goes, they're toxic to the thyroid. So we're, we're, we're dabbing things on our dogs that are toxic to the thyroid. And hypothyroidism, a skinny dog can be hypothyroid. You don't have to have a big fat old dog who lies around. A skinny dog can be hypothyroid. And one of the things that you can see as one of the symptoms of hypothyroidism, not a real common one, but common enough that it's there on the list all the time, is seizures, neurological weakness. You know, that's, that's very common. So when you test the thyroid and see that the thyroid's low and treat with thyroid, the seizures can stop. And, and I'm glad that you found a vet that knew that because a lot of veterinarians don't know that. They don't realize that if a dog is seizuring, one of the first things you want to look at is the thyroid function. And by the way, those top spot products also cause seizures. Yeah, interesting. Well, Callie's vet does a little bit of acupuncture work too, so I think he has uh, some background in uh, n not just in uh, Western medicine but sort of beyond that. Uh, although his most of his practice is probably what you would call Western medicine. But. Well, hypothyroidism related to seizures is conventional medical knowledge that every veterinarian should know. Yeah, yeah right. Um, 
Dr. Davey, you've been a wonderful guest. Thank you so much for being with us. Uh, take a minute and remind our listeners how they can uh, find your, your book, Dr. Kals's Natural Dog, A Holistic Guide for Healthier Dogs, and also uh, how they can find your website and wh- what they should expect to see there. Sure, and the wonderful thing about my book, I have to say this, Dr. Kals's Natural Dog, is that it actually, and I think when you read it you can see, it actually lets you understand holistic health and let you make smarter decisions. It's not a recipe book. It's not an encyclopedia. It's a readable book. You can turn the pages and understand more and more about what you're doing with your own dog with every page that you turn. You can get it on Amazon. Uh, sorry to, to uh, interrupt it, but there is a section called the Canine Cafe. So, uh, yes, oh, can, absolutely. Can find, there are recipes there, but that's not the, the, the focus. No, the, the focus is to create a better understanding in dog owners so they can have healthier dogs. Because that's, that's my joy in life, is creating healthier dogs as a veterinarian, and cats, of course, but we're talking about dogs here. And so this book was sort of a gift kind of thing. It's a lot of work to write it, but it helps people understand better what they're doing and why, and they can talk to their vet and be informed and be in power when they talk to them, you know, because they really know what they're doing. But anyway, it's all over the place. You can get it anywhere. It's even an e-book, and Amazon.com has everything in that book, too. And my website is www.drdavid.com, D-O-C-T-O-R, DEVA.com. It's a very interactive site. If you play around, you can also learn a lot just from the site. Well, thank you for that. You're a terrific guest. Thank you for uh, being with us here on the My Doggy Says Show. It was my pleasure. You have a wonderful show, and you have a great day. Thanks. It was fun. Uh, Be sure and uh, listen to our next podcast on MyDoggySays.com or iTunes. Uh, On iTunes, you just search for uh, My Doggy Says. In the meantime, pay attention to what your dog is saying. Do something about it. And remember Jamie's first rule for a good life. Don't bark if a wolf will do the job.